The Thin End has been talking to the acclaimed author of The House of God, Samuel Shem. We caught up with him when he visited Oxford last year. Do you think that um, do you think that medicine has made progress um, since the House of God? Yeah, uh, medicine has made progress that in some in some ways is really regress. I mean, a lot of things are better. Um, the um, the way that you can treat certain diseases is. I'm, I'm well. Go back. I can only speak for the United States. Okay. Sure. Uh, the House of God, as you know, is uh, a story of a year of internship at uh, the Beth Israel Hospital exactly. in 1973-74. And uh, I haven't really written about uh, that kind of experience again, actually, until now, because right. I actually have finished a, a new novel that came about because I, three and a half years ago, after not being in practice anymore, I was invited to be a professor of medicine in medicine, humanities, and literature at NYU Medical School, which is an absolutely terrific medical school. And I don't play well in big institutions, but this one works. Um, And so there I was back on the wards again and back in the emergency room again and all of that. And I got a new glimpse of modern medicine and training. And so uh, basically I felt called by this kind of, hey, wait a second, moment, you know, what's wrong here? Uh, amidst all of the good, and I, everybody knows what's good about, about medicine now, ways of diagnosis and treatment and, you know, things that people used to die from, they don't die from anymore. And it's just, that's, that's terrific. However, the experience of being sick and going to a doctor has died <laughs> a bit. And yes. one of the ways that it's worse, I mean, I, I really want to make sure to, to say it, it's better in a lot of ways. I have friends who would have died of multiple myeloma. My brother would have died from uh, multiple myeloma and uh, myelodysplasia and stem cells and uh, donors. You know, they're, they're going nice. to be fine. Jimmy yeah. Carter, who had stage four brain melanoma, is going to be fine. So the immunological treatments, especially things, like, but sur- surgeries, the things we can do. I mean, it's unbelievable. That's mm-hmm. the good news. The bad news, uh, and it is bad news, comes from uh, two areas. Um, as the narrator says in this new novel, you know, that, that he's writing about this in retrospect, um, he's saying, uh, you know, it, it was a time of a real change in medicine, a real shift in medicine uh, that is very concerning. And it's due to two things. This is in the United States. It's due to two yeah. things, money and screens, meaning computer screens, money and screens, which is money and money. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that, which the public doesn't know, is that in the United States, once again, in all the private systems, um, the electronic medical record, which has lots of good qualities in terms of, uh, you know, relaying it some information, but um, uh, the the electronic medical records where uh, doctors are always typing on um, was made for only one purpose. And... um, 
I'll give you an example. You go to a doctor and uh, he may shake your hand, he, may, he or she may shake, shake your hand or not, but he then he, he's turned away, he's turned his back on you or a cold shoulder to you, and he's typing at the screen, right? So you're presented with something called the patient dilemma. Do I interrupt him? What, you know, what, you yeah. know do I yeah. cough? Do I wait? What do I do? Two questions may come to your mind. The first question is, what is he doing? Yes. And the answer is, what you don't realize is your doctor is sitting there seething at this machine because he's forced to sit there seething at the machine rather than talking to you. So that's the first question. What is he doing? The second question is more important in a way. It's why is he doing it? And then then the the narrator writes uh, of this new novel, he says... um, You may be sitting there thinking that what he's doing is going to give you better health care. It will not. It may well give you worse health care. The only the only uh, people who will be getting something better out of this is what the machine is for. The machine was made for making money. It's the machine was made for billing. That's the truth. They made this machine for billing and patients data and all the rest of it is the stuff that feeds the billing. Now, this is in a private medical health system, right? Not government. And then, so it's only better for the, um, it's only better for the, uh, the, um, the medical industry, the healthcare industry. Mm -hmm. And, um, it is in fact, Worse, it can in fact be worse for your care, and work for the care of your doctor. And um, the doctor—it's not that the doctor wants to turn his back on you; it's that the insurance industry in the United States is forcing the doctor to turn your back on you and on him. You know, they're turning both both your so. The point is that a lot flows from the idea that that is dominating the lives of doctors in the United States. And they hate it. They absolutely hate it. Um, And it's all for money. And uh, in uh, in the VA system, the Veterans Administrative System, which is, uh, you know, a government system that's terrific, um, the the doctors all like that system because – it's easy. Uh, it links to any other system in the whole world of the vet- Veterans Administration. And there's no money involved. It's nonprofit. And they love it. It's easy. So we're in a real dilemma. That, that starts a whole chain in America now of, of being forced by the administrations to game the system to get yeah. the highest paying diagnosis in there. Yeah. Like, I'll give you one little, well, never mind. But what one little example is, if you type in as a diagnosis, sepsis, you know, systemic infection, mild, the business office will come after you and say, but can't you write severe, you know, sepsis severe? Because mild only gets gets paid, you know, $500 for a day at treatment and, and, and severe, you know. Um, here's the, here's what I, I'll, I'll be a little more concise. The, when I went to NYU medical school, 
three and a half years ago as a, as a teacher. I was brought in to teach the house of God. Harvard hated me for the house of God. They brought me in to teach the house of God, which is just, I've loved it down there. But they asked me, do a grand rounds. Uh, and I said, well, what do you want to do in medicine? What do you want me to do a grand rounds? And, and they said, well, why don't you do the house of God then and now? And I said, well, I know about then. I don't know about now. But they said, do it. So I surveyed a lot of interns and residents in New York and in Boston. And, and the idea came up that they were spending a lot of time in front of their screens. So I went back to all of them and I, I asked, what would you say on your shift of 14 hours or whatever it is, what would you say is the minimal percentage of time that you uh, are in front of some kind of screen? You know what they said? You guess. Gosh, 80% of people justify this. So you bring up a very interesting point because in America, they justify this so they can get data on efficiency and quality, mm. you know, quality protection and all of that. Yeah. Um, but here's the fascinating thing. Because when, when interns and doctors enter in the codes, like for mild sepsis or severe sepsis, they're skewing the diagnosis of sepsis and the treatment of sepsis to a much more severe level. So that when they gather all these pieces of data from all these hospitals all over America, they're wrong. Mm. They're fake data, to use a Trumpian. You know, they're not accurate data. Because there has been an effort to diagnose the most expensive, most well-paid treatment, and thus the most well, most well-paid diagnosis and treatment. Uh, that's true. I ta- I know that's true. So, what some of the of the big uh, people who are interested in this are doing is they're not using. They, they can't use the American data. They have to go to the to the socialized medicine companies. They go to Sweden. <laughs> Because once you remove the cost, yeah. you get real data. I yes. mean, it's astonishing. And what me. I do, what I have in this new novel, which I, you know, as I say, I'm almost, I'm almost done with. It won't be published for a year. Is that one of the people gives a lecture during the uh, the novel because of all the things? Because there are tremendous ramifications of of, of having an electronic medical record vis-a-vis money. Mm. It's easy, mm. you know. Um, and insurance. And he, he, he uh, talks about, quote, uh, the six rackets of American healthcare. Follow the money. <laughs> you know? Because there's this intertwine. Once you start, everybody's trying to make the most money possible. And guess who it's worse, worse for? It's worse for the doctors and it's worse for the patients. Worse for the patients. And it's bloody good for the insurance companies. It's incredibly good for the insurance companies. And it ain't going to change until until we get a single payer and a protected single payer. I mean, I, I'm a little depressed about the idea that this still happens here, but the, the National Health Service is going through horrible stuff right now. It's going through terrible times, unfortunately. It's sort of going USA type stuff. We really don't, we don't, I think, well, I, I think we do. Actually, I think the, the country as a whole does recognise the enormous asset that it's got. You know, you know, people are going through operations and so on, which if they had to have in the United States would bankrupt them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and we, I think we do understand that. But unfortunately, there's always been this sort of political tussle over the health yeah. service. 
Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, there are times it, when, as you know, if, if they get an excuse, they will suck the money out of it. Yes, right. Uh, and, and, of course, what they then do is to force the health service to go to the private sector. That's right. So some patients start getting referred to the private sector. If it goes out to the private sector, you're no longer getting funding into the health service itself. So departments close right? because things are then outsourced. Right. The more outsourcing there is, the, you know, the greater the shrinkage of the health service. And that's right. the danger. If it goes on like this for another decade, we will lose. Part of it. You can't do it. Yes, yes. We can't get it back.